Well, we are uh, in unwrapping Christmas. Last week we uh, got it uh, kicked off, and so I just I need to go ahead and jump into the notes immediately. This first thought is something that we want to make sure that we are really getting in our hearts, that Christmas is about God giving to us. I know it's so easy for us to get into the, to the flow of the idea of us giving to others. But Christmas is about God giving to us that he gave to us. And together, you and I, as we're going through this, we're not going to be able to fully unwrap it because the gift of Jesus is just too big. And we get to grow in that the rest of our lives. But we're going to unwrap our gift together. Now remember, those of you that were here last week, we kind of set the scene that's taking place in homes all over the place. Remember we had the, the opening scene where, where <clears throat> mom comes out and, and she walks into the house and she has the bag. She has the, the bag of, of something. And the kid comes up and says, Mom, what's in the bag? She goes, I can't show you what's in the bag. You know, this is Christmas. And then it just drives the kid nuts. And the kid just so wants to know. And so the ends up just a couple of days later, this gift that's wrapped finds its way under the tree. There's a couple of them under there. The kid goes and shakes it and maybe peels back some of the paper and sees this nondescript package, brown package under there. And all oh, the intrigue is just more than they can bear. And they know that, man, it's just got to be that one awesome thing I've asked mom and dad for. And then finally Christmas morning comes up and without an alarm or the sun cresting the sky, boom, they pop out of bed all on their own, run under there, grab that gift, tear it open, peel it back. And what's in there? Socks. Some of y'all remember it. Socks. What's up with that? It's socks. Are you serious? Why, seriously, why do we do this to our children? Give them socks. It was socks. And then we also talked about the other end of the spectrum, that when they tear open into that gift, and there it is, the thing, that, that special doll or that special uh, BB gun or that special gift, that exact thing that they had always wanted and had always asked for, and the response on that is so different. You get the happy dance as they run around the room and hug it and, and go to bed with it that night and sleep with it and, and are excited because why? Because that was the ultimate gift they got. Not just something they needed. You know, socks are nice. I'm, I'm wearing socks today, but you know what? I did not tell my wife, you know, baby, this Christmas I won't. Just give me a tub full of socks. I'm going to be good to go. No. I don't, as an adult, want socks. And the kids really don't want it's a gift. That's a gift of need. Of course, I'm going to wear them. I'm going to keep my, my feet warm. But it's, it's, it meets a need. But it's not that heart cry, desire. See, whenever we look at this, when we look at Jesus, do we see God giving us something that we simply need? Or do we see God giving us the ultimate gift ever? That's the whole paradigm for this entire series. We're going to just grind that into us. When we look at Jesus, when we see the baby in the manger, when we see the nativity, when we think about Christmas morning, when we think about do we see God just meeting a need or God giving us the most incredible thing ever, that God, that's exactly what I wanted. If you were only going to give me one thing, I'm so glad you gave me 
Jesus. We need to make sure that it's that way. Because see, last week we talked about God giving us, whenever he gave us Jesus, that he gave us a king. And we looked at what it meant that a king was coming. And that if a new king was coming in, then that meant an old king was going out. A new kingdom, a new way of doing things was taking place. And that kingdom that Jesus came to rule wasn't an earthly kingdom. He didn't come to depose Caesar. He came and he, to set up rule in our own little kingdoms. We have the little chair up here representing the throne in our own lives. Well, guess what? That wasn't, we didn't just get a king. We also got a savior. And this is the one where if we're not careful, we could slip into and say, oh, wow, God, thank you for meeting that need. When really, that is the ultimate gift ever. We needed a hero. We needed somebody to come in and step in and change the entire game for us. See, Luke chapter 2 says, But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. And he is Christ the Lord or Christ the King. Right here in this one scripture, we find all the pieces of what we're going to be looking at this entire series of what we were given. And as we unwrap this incredible gift of who Jesus is to us. Because Jesus came on the scene when a Savior was, was desired. When they were looking for, remember we talked about, a, talked about them looking for a king. That they were a, a suppressed people. The Israelites had, had been their own nation for centuries before. And because of their disobedience and found themselves being a, a dominated people. And now they were under the tyranny of Rome. And they, their hearts cried out. And so when Jesus began to, come, began to come along, they were looking for a king. They were looking for one. And in fact, we see <coughs> that not only were they looking for a king, they were looking for a savior. When we look at Matthew 21.9, we see, and this was a piece of scripture that's typically tied to a different holiday. This one's tied to Easter or specifically the, the Sunday before that, Palm Sunday. And when we look at the scripture, we see whenever Jesus is coming in to Jerusalem and he's about to enter his last week before his <clears throat> crucifixion and resurrection. And here in Matthew 21, 9, it says, The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest now see this son of David. David was their king that was like, he set the bar. They wanted another king like David. And they were promised another king like David. So when they refer to him as the son of David, it's not like, you know, somebody saying, oh, king and son of Brandon. You know, that, it's not just this, who's your daddy? His, this is going all the way back to his kingly lineage. They were referring to him in that first part we talked about last week of God giving us a king. They refer to him in this one. But it's awesome that they say Hosanna. Now that's a word that we use in church and a lot of times we may not know exactly what it means. But when you look it up in the, 
in the Strong's, in that, that original language, it simply means, oh, save. Oh, save. They were looking for a Savior. Jesus was that promised Savior that their hearts were crying out for. They were throwing a party, folks. This Savior wasn't just some socks deal. Oh, wow. Yeah, awesome. The Savior's here. Cool. Cool. All right, I'm going to go about my business. No, they stopped everything. This was the ultimate gift ever. They began to lay down their cloaks. Now, they didn't have closets full of stuff like we do, where you can go and choose and have more than three things in your closet. You know, we have closets just packed with, with clothes we don't even wear at times. And these people are taking some of their most precious garments. They didn't have extra clothes. And they're laying them down for this animal to walk across bearing Jesus on his back. This was an exciting time. It's referred to as the triumphal entry. It is a party. They're excited. Why? Because a Savior is worth partying over. It was the ultimate gift ever. They're crying out, oh, save Oh, say, see, Psalms 57.3, which was written by David, says he ascends from heaven and saves me, rebuking those who hotly pursue me. Selah. God sends his love and his faithfulness. Isn't that beautiful? When God sends a savior, he sends his love and his faithfulness. That God can be his love and that he can be relied on. What a beautiful thing. What a beautiful, beautiful thing. Now, I love this passage of scripture and where it's written. You know, because he was really in this place of needing a savior. He understood the concept of it. Because David writes this, these beautiful words about what it means God sending a savior in our life. And you know what he's doing? He is hiding for his life in a cave he's being pursued by the king of his land and he is cowering and hiding in a cave as he pins these words you know what at times he didn't necessarily feel saved he wasn't out there being able to live the life he wanted to live but he understood he understood that his god saves you know what folks some folks some people really love the holiday season I tell you what, they just go all out and it's just, I mean, it is just awesome. And there are other people who this is their, their worst time of the year. It's depressing. It's painful. They're separated from those they love. Life isn't where they wanted it to be at this time of the year. And it's not always the happiest time of the year for everybody. But I don't care where you are on the spectrum I don't care if you feel like at this point in your life you're holed up, hidden in a cave, waiting for something to change. He is still your Savior. He is still your Savior. And sometimes in those moments, you have to do these things like David did and, and begin to talk about his saving grace and his love and his faithfulness on purpose, even when you don't feel like it. I tell you what, there are times you have to begin to do that on purpose. David did that. When we celebrate the Savior, you know, it's awesome to celebrate when you've come off of this great win. There are other times it's a little more difficult to celebrate when you're in the middle of the battle. But David showed us that at a time, 
you celebrate it in the middle of the battle. I challenge you. I don't care what spectrum you're on, especially if this is being a, a tough holiday season for you. I challenge you. I challenge you to you to just worship Jesus like you never have before this holiday season. You celebrate the Savior in your life even in the middle of your battle. Maybe you're, you wanted the perfect family Christmas and your family is just hanging together just to get through the holidays. We're not going to drop the bomb on our kids in the middle of the holidays. Maybe that's where you're at. I tell you what, I challenge you. I challenge you to celebrate like you never have before. I don't care if you feel close to your spouse right now or not. I tell you, begin to celebrate the Savior like never before. Somebody needed that. <clears throat> but Jesus saves us. And we're going to look at some things that he saves us from. And Jesus saves us from sin and from death. And how, how wonderful is that? You know what? That's, uh, that is such an incredible thing. And we don't enjoy that enough, I don't think. We don't understand and have a real concept. And I think it's a grace thing. I think it's a good thing. Because really, if we understood how dead in our sins we were, you know how difficult it really would be for us to have faith that Jesus really took care of it? It, it would be pretty difficult. God has done a wonderful, beautiful thing by shielding us from having sense knowledge of how dead we were. But it doesn't change it that he does save us from sin and death. And this is a time to celebrate that. That that baby coming into the world, that you know what, I'm, I'm free. I'm free. Matthew 1, 21. Mary is told that, <coughs> that or uh, Joseph is told this, that she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Now, see, Jesus is the, is the Greek form of Joshua. And that is our a Savior. That was the label that was placed on him as a baby. His, his adoptive stepfather, if you will, his earthly stepfather, was challenged with calling that boy what he was going to be, with calling Jesus what he was going to be, our Savior. See, John... 1010 reminds us that Jesus said, I have come, they may have life, and then you might have it to the full. See, Jesus came to save us from sin and death, and what does that leave for us? Life. That is why this is such a wonderful time of the year, because we celebrate the fact that we have life. The next thing that Jesus came to save us from, and this is one where we should really embrace. Woo! This really is. Jesus being a savior, this really is one of the greatest gifts ever, is that he came and he saves us from ourselves. I tell you what, how many of you here know that in your life you've been your worst enemy? Anybody else besides me know? That I, I tell you what, nobody's done more harm to Brandon Clark than Brandon Clark. Tell you, there may have been some, some people in my life that have been mean to me, but nobody in the grand scheme of things has been more difficult to deal with than me. I have been the pain to myself, and most of us are that way. Most of us are, have <clears throat> been that in our lives, and Jesus came to set us free, where we're out of the cycle of us fighting ourselves 
all of the time. Because see, in this world, when we leave it on our own shoulders, we get stuck between kind of two paradigms, okay? We get stuck with the, okay, there are things that I know that I, I shouldn't do, but I kind of want to do those things. And then there are these things that I know that I should do, but I really don't want to do those things. And a lot of people, when they look at Jesus, remember we did the fill in the blank last week? That Jesus said, blank, that's why I've come into the world. And a lot of people think that Jesus came into the world, so we'll do the things that we should do but don't want to, and that we won't do the things that uh, we want to do but shouldn't. So many people think that Jesus came to kind of like squish us into obedience. No, the thing is Jesus came to set us free. And he came to set us free from life. Because what we'll do when we're dealing with those issues, we're going to kind of run to one camp or the other. Okay? And we're going to either kind of come over here on this end and we're going to run to religion in general. Of course, religion begins to make a bunch of rules. Okay? Then there are these things I should do, so I'm going to do them. And the things I shouldn't do, and I'm not going to do these. I'm going to put all these little things on me and squish me in to this little compartment over here. And the, the problem is there is this death that is associated with that. It feels so incredibly like prison. It don't feel like life at all. What's the matter? I hate this over here. So then there are others that, that they just immediately reject that, and they run to the other end of the spectrum, and they come over here. And we're going to call this, we'll just... Uh, We'll just call it Las Vegas, okay? We're going to come over here and we're going to, we're going to run away from religion. We, we've left the monastery and now we're going to live in Las Vegas, okay? Uh, the problem is, I don't care what the commercial says, what happens in Vegas does not stay there, folks. It don't. It finds its way home. It messes stuff up. You come over here and you say, I'm tired of the rules. I'm tired of this stuff. You know, there are these things that I should do and I, I don't want to do them and I'm just not. There are things that I would want to do that I shouldn't, and I'm just going to do them. And you people who've lived in that life long enough begin to realize, oh, crud, there's a death over here too. All of a sudden, I'm my own worst enemy. I'm destroying myself with this not, with, oh, it's not life over here. At first I thought it was, and it was fun for a little bit. Just like that works for a little bit. This was fun for a little bit, but then all of a sudden, it begins to have its negative effects. You know, and most people, they major in one and minor in the other. Okay? You have these people who kind of live over here, and then all of a sudden they're like, boop! They'll like pop their cork, it gets too tight, and they run over here to go to Vegas a little bit. Woo! Oh man, what am I doing? I'm going back over here. You know? And then there are other folks that they live over here in Las Vegas, and then they finally, they, they, they wake up in a stupor and don't know where they are, go, oh my gosh! What is wrong with me? I need to go over here. And they go over here and they live over here for just a little bit. And, realize, and they're going for one. But we have this major and this minor. And they kind of pop from one to the other. And that is no way to live life. It is no way to live life. Jesus came to set us free completely. See, I had this little moment in high school where um, I... Uh, <clears throat> was uh, I, I knew the right thing that I wanted to do, and I, I tried to fix it. And then, every, anyways, the wheels just fell off. I ran from one end to the other. And on this one particular little in- incident, and I was a senior in high school, and I, my biology teacher loved weenie dogs, those little dachshunds. I don't like dachshunds, sorry. A lot of people I know love dachshunds. 
I'm not a fan of them. And this is why, because she'd bring these dachshunds and she'd show them. And if they would win these shows, then, then you know, breeding other puppies are worth more in this whole process. And she had this one dog that she named Silly, which she just should have never named the dog Silly. You just, just don't do that. And uh, so she named this dog Silly. And sure enough, they put them on. I've never shown a dog, but supposedly they stick them on this little platform thing. And they're supposed to, like, stick their little nose out and their little tail out. And the judges come along. And the judges have the right to come and to try to startle the dogs and they're supposed to keep their composure okay and most dogs most you know of the judges supposedly don't do this thing to them but this one judge comes up to this little dog and comes up to it and it's it's doing good it's won three shows two shows need to win its third and become some sort of champion and the the the, uh, person yells at this dog this this like crow call and goes call call and the dog just loses it and just wets all over the stand and just sits there and just shakes like crazy. And, of course, it loses the thing. And then from that point on, any time it got on that stand, it would just shake. It, would just, it, was, just, it was just terrible. And uh, anyways, so this dog never liked me. She'd bring it up to the school, and this dog never liked me. So she had this brilliant idea that she would have me... During class, I got to miss class. This was an honors class. I was supposed to be learning something. And, uh, and she would have me work with this dog, and she felt like if the dog was okay with me, then, then, it, would be a, then it would be all right, and it would stand in front of, this, front of this judge. So I'm going along with it. I'm working with this little animal and getting it to do all of its little stuff. And finally, I go for a couple of weeks, and we get this dog in order. The dog is standing, it's showing, I've been doing the right thing, I've been over here, my little rules, what I'm supposed to do with this dog, and then she goes, okay, and says, okay, class, this is the final test, I have a a show with this dog this weekend, and now we just need to get a a crowd around it, make sure it holds with this crowd around it. So she calls my classmates up, and we get the crowd around it, and she's showing the dog, and I just snapped. And I just went, cool, cool. And the dog went everywhere and started shaking. And my two weeks worth of work was down the tubes. And I ran over here to Las Vegas for just a second. And it was hilarious. I'm sorry. I laughed like crazy. It was hilarious. That dog never won another dog show ever. I have ruined that dog. And, uh, but there's that thing, you, you try it, and then all of a sudden there's this other thing that just pops out. And, and we're stuck in this thing, and Jesus came to set us free from ourselves. There's so many of us that are in here in this room that have gone through cycles. Some of you call it going around the mountain. Some of you, whatever it is, you have this cycle that you go in, and you do good, and you do good, and you do good, and all of a sudden, boop, you twist off. And it's like you just start all over again. Jesus came to break that mess off of our lives so we could live in freedom. 2 Timothy 1, 9 says, Who has saved us and called us to a holy life? Not because of anything we've done. Ah, We just got removed from this picture, this whole having to create our own righteousness. Is like, Clark, you stink at this. Move. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this for you. 
we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has destroyed death, destroyed it. He didn't just pin it. He didn't just beat it for the moment. He destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And where did this, where did the revealing come? Through the appearing of our Savior. We are celebrating that during this season. The appearing of our Savior. He, God himself, through that child, stepped in and said, you know what? Stop your struggles. Tag out. I'm in for you. And he came in and destroyed this death cycle process. The death from that end and the death from that end. And set us free to live in a place of true freedom and life. See, sec, I mean, Tim, Titus 3 says, But when the kindness and love of our God, our Savior, appeared, He saved us not because of righteous things we had done, but because of... It. Am I reading the same thing again? No, I'm not. It just sounds alike. Same guy wrote it. Not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and the renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by His grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. He set us free from ourselves. And the last thing we want to look at real quick is the fact that He saves us from a place of worthlessness. I'm telling you, folks, we have people all over the city who are battling, feeling this way right now. I bet we have people in this room who are battling, dealing, feeling worthless. And I tell you what, whenever God gave us Jesus, He gave us everything. There was just a story on the news this week of some guy who put a who put this Rolex in. It was the the lens was had been scratched and all this stuff and put this rolex up for sale on ebay starting bid 10 bucks this rolex just blows this guy's mind and brings over sixty six thousand dollars sixty six grand that's incredible and this guy was just astonished at this hidden value that was in this watch why because it's worth became revealed because of what somebody was willing to pay for it. It reminds me of the old story I've heard so many times, but it just paints the perfect picture of this <clears throat> back in in, uh, the, in uh, uh, India. There was this uh, man who had, was a very eligible bachelor, and he was going to, uh, to find a, a wife. And there was this... Uh, during that time, if a, if a man was willing to pay the dowry of one cow, then that was just huge. If the family could get a cow for their daughter, who changes a cow for a daughter anyway? That's just crazy. But that was just the mindset. So that, that was huge. Somebody's willing to give an entire cow for this daughter's hand in marriage. I mean, that was just a big, big deal. And so there's this one young lady who had never been courted at all. 
she was just kind of introverted and and she had nobody had ever shown any interest the parents were starting to wonder if they're going to be stuck with this lady for the rest of their lives and and there's just nobody showing any interest and all of a sudden this 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 eligible bachelor comes up and he talks to the father and he says you know what i would love to have your daughter's hand in marriage and he says okay and they begin the process of deciding what the dowry is going to be and and you know and he's hoping for maybe you know a little something and he says i i already i already know i i'm willing to give you 10 cows and his eyes just bug out and he's like 10 cows like yeah i'm willing to give 10 cows and he said she's your wife there we go bring those cattle on over and uh, everybody was just astonished and just the news spread around the village 10 cows can you believe the man gave 10 cows for her he could have he could have had her for so much less and she just she goes off and she's gone and he takes her away to to his palace and and years and years go by and she hasn't seen her family hasn't seen her relatives or any of that that comes in in years and so they he's coming back through with his caravan and doing business and she wants to stop and see her family and she stops in and everybody says man there's just this most gorgeous elegant woman we've ever seen come into town who is this woman who is she and all the rumors begin to go and who is she well we heard she's stopping over at this one house like well why is she going to stop there you know they had but one daughter and she, she's been gone a long time and they show up and sure enough that they stop in and everybody's astonished to find out this is the daughter like that is not the daughter she is so so beautiful and elegant and refined she looks like a queen what is the thing and then finally some of her old friends from her childhood come to ask her said what what has changed what made you change like this she said well i found out that i was a tin cow woman she didn't realize her value i tell you what whenever we begin to look at this romans 8 says what then shall we say in response to this if god is for us who can be against us he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things when you begin to look at your own life you don't compare it against anybody else you know or any other circumstances you measure your worth based on what somebody was willing to give. And heaven gave its best for you. God said, you are worth my son. He had saved us from a place of worthlessness. Luke 15 says, in the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And then Jesus continued and said, there was a man who had two sons. And the story of the prodigal son ensues. Every time one of us makes a decision to embrace the gift of Jesus and embrace the Savior, embrace the value that God has placed on us, there is a party in heaven. This is the only time that says anything we do makes heaven rejoice. And it's when one of us begins to turn back to God heaven waits on it looks for it 
expects it, rejoices over it. This really is the greatest gift ever. Second Peter tells us that but to, we need to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That to Him be glory both now and forevermore. As you and I are looking at the truths of the, what was really given to us when God gave us Jesus. Then as we grow in knowing God better, then we should also trust our King, our Savior, our Lord to rule right here. Right here in our lives. Even more and more and more. See, because when God gave us Jesus, He really did give us everything. He really did. See, Savior is that ultimate gift ever. It's not the, the need gift. Oh, thank you, God. I, I'm going to put that in my drawer and I'm going to use that Savior thing one day. No, it's right now. He's brought life to us now. We get to live in it now. It really is the greatest gift ever. And this morning, I'd appreciate it if everyone would just make a quiet moment. If you could just bow your heads and close your eyes. We want to create a time that if you're here and you need to embrace that Savior...